Good morning, Cap City Church. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be reading from Revelation 5 today. I'll be reading out of the ESV, starting with verse 1. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, all the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy, is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them say, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's open with a word of prayer. I thank you, Jesus, for this nice day, God. I just thank you that you have brought us all here together. And God, as we go into this time of worship and this time of learning and this time of teaching, I pray that your spirit will be with us, that we would learn and that you would communicate, God, clearly what you want for us to hear and to have and to know today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Cause the God I serve knows all he how to triumph My God will never fail Oh my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a Turn it for good. You turn.
That'll be a big part of the message today. I love some of the songs we're writing today. That comes right out of Scripture in Genesis chapter 50, and that'll be our text today. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. We're going to be talking about the story of Joseph today, and those, that's the reply that he gives to his brothers when they're afraid that he's going to come to get revenge upon them. And as a pastor, there's a lot of times I spend, uh, well, I always spend a lot of time over the text, but I just kept reading Genesis over and over this story of Joseph, and I thought I had exhausted it. And then I'm in my personal Bible reading time. Your pastor reads the Bible to be close to God, not just to preach to you. It's important for, for you to know that. And I was just I was just having a conversation with a friend this week, so you never know how the Bible the Bible's gonna catch you. Remember, the Bible's gonna catch you. So my I read on a schedule, and yesterday morning I was reading in Psalm 105. I don't know if you know this. If you read the book of Psalms you have for a long time, there's different types of Psalms. There's imprecatory Psalms. We're going, what in the world is this guy doing? He's calling down fire and brimstone on his enemies. There's psalms of worship where he's just lifting praise to God. And there's historical psalms. And Psalm 105 is a historical psalm. There's different places throughout the scripture where you can see the Old Testament or or the lineage of Christ or, or different portions of scripture being retold in a summarized way. And in Psalm 105, the psalmist recounts what's taking place in Joseph's life about the middle of that chapter. And he said, and and Joseph. He said he was shackled in irons, imprisoned. Said until the word of the Lord came to pass. And said his word refined him. We need to wait upon the Lord. We need to know that if we're still waiting, he's still working. We've got to keep waiting on him because when his word comes to pass, everything that the enemy meant for for evil is going to be turned into good, right? We're gonna, we're gonna, again, in this church, the the altars are always open for prayer, but specifically, we wanna give you some time to pray during this time of worship. Pastor Ed's actually gonna make himself available. If you you need to be anointed this morning for healing or or for a touch, Pastor Ed's gonna be, and uh, is gonna be praying over here for you this morning. But for the rest of you, if you want to come to the altars and pray and offer up that thing to God that you've struggled to wait on, the next song we're going to sing is called Faithful Till the End. And I woke up thinking about this song. I I like to listen to a lot of our worship songs because I know what we're going to sing ahead of time. Faithful Till the End. And here's the thought I had for you this morning. Just answer this question for me. Have we reached the end yet? Then he's still faithful. He's faithful to the end. So if we haven't reached the end... He's still faithful. Joseph, I'm sure I had to ask that question multiple times. God, are you still faithful? Maybe these, maybe some of the words of this song were already moving in Joseph's heart so many thousands of years ago. God, if it's not the end, I know you're still going to be faithful. Lord, I pray that you would encourage someone this morning. God, that you would help them recognize that today your mercies are new again. They didn't think they could make it through yesterday, but they did, and they're here, and they're ready to worship you. They're going to continue worshiping you. Lord, will you help us hold fast to the promise? You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. We haven't reached the end, so we know your faithfulness is behind us and in front of us and is with us in this present moment. Help us to lay hold, God, to the promise of your faithfulness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. 
welcome to Capital City Church. We are so glad you're joining us today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection part and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card and at the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. This Wednesday, join us here at church at 7 p.m. for the kickoff of Awana, youth group, and small groups. There will be nursery provided as we strive to minister to the whole family. Money for the upcoming Golden Saints trip to the Ark Encounter is due this Wednesday, September 7th. If you are planning on going on the trip, be sure to turn the money into Nan Davis by Wednesday. This Saturday, September 10th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. will be our annual car show, fish fry, and family day. Join us here at church for fun with the whole family as we have food, car show, bounce houses, and more. Be sure to check out the Hope on High display in the lobby and see how you can help support the homeless ministry of Capital City Church. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan with today's message. Well, good morning. I guess it's a good morning to be a Buckeye, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're in the uh, third week of our series entitled Hard Love. If you're, a, if you're a visitor with us today, we really do want you to make yourself at home. Hopefully, as you walked into this place, you sense the spirit of God and you sense the spirit of welcoming uh, love and, and just hospitality from the people that you encountered. If you didn't, please come and see me. Give me descriptions of the people, uh, their name if you got it, and we'll take care of them. Um, but we're in the third week of a series entitled Hard Love. Love's not always easy. Love's challenging. We all know that, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not a 13-year-old kind of love. It's not a sitcom or Christmas Hallmark movie, although that seems to be some of the hardest love I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but love means doing hard things, being in love, loving someone. In week one, we looked at the story of Gideon, and it showed us that we're not called to comfort but to combat, I was in my brother's office. <clears throat> he wasn't there. He, you don't, don't tell him I was there. Um, I was in my brother's office this week, and he had written on his word, if, if we're so interested in comfort, then why did Jesus need to send us the comforter? Just wrestle with that one the rest of the week. He sent us the comforter because he knew we were going to have hardships. We were going to have trouble. Last week, we talked about the fact that Faith doesn't just require showing up, it requires stepping up. And we looked at the life of Abraham and the sacrifice he had to make with Isaac. And this week, we're, like I mentioned during prayer, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And we're going to try by the end of this service to all be able to say in unison, God, if you're still working, I'll keep waiting. God, if you're still working, I'll keep waiting. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Did you know that you can sign up with the United States Postal Service to get a preview of what's coming in your mail. You can get it in your email. If you get, if you get that notification in your email, do you, I want to say, like, so some of you do, the rest of us are, like, I do too. The rest of you are just really smart people. Let me explain why. 
It's, it could be like if you're waiting on, like, you just, it, it, you have emotional responses to this, just like you do when you see whether or not somebody liked the thing you posted on Facebook last night. Um, you open this and you see, if it's near your birthday, you might see a birthday card coming from mom or grandma. That's, that's kind of a neat thing, something to look forward to. During COVID, it was a huge disappointment for our children because it would show a preview, then the piece of mail wouldn't come for like three days. So we quit telling them what was coming in the mail for them. But you could see, perhaps, if you're getting a letter from the IRS. I mean, I don't know about any of you, but have any of you ever went to the mailbox, saw a letter from the IRS, and go, oh, good, this should be a fun read. <laughs> Even if you don't owe money, you probably have to send them like 15 pieces of paper from something. And I just, I've thought, okay, so if you, if you can't tell, that's happened to me before. And the mail doesn't come at our house till like 4 or 5 o'clock. But instead of waiting till 4 or 5 o'clock and having to deal with that anxiety for 15 seconds, just long enough to open the envelope, now I got to know about it at 8 a.m. And in between meetings and phone calls, I could go, hey, I wonder what that letter from the IRS says. We could just borrow that kind of anxiety from the future. Many of you are like this. Some of you, some of you grow anxious not knowing what's going to happen next in a situation. That's why so many of us today in America do something called binging when it comes to your favorite television program. Do you remember, some of you, I know this is going to date so many of us. Do you remember when you used to have that favorite sitcom that you watched every week on Monday nights or Wednesday nights or, man, TGIF? I mean, there were three words that could just ruin your week. To be continued. Oh, man, I have to live another 168 hours. Back then, before they had us obsessed with instant gratification and throwing stuff in our face all the time, man, they knew you were going to talk about it at the water cooler. You had friends you watched this with. It was something you were going to be able to look forward to. I mean, it was just, but now we have binging, so you don't even have to really, you really don't even have to worry about it, right? I wonder which of us might want God to show us his full plan for our lives. Do you think the 12-year-old version of you would have been up for what you've experienced in life thus far? Do you think you would have wanted to know the process of how each one of your family members died? How you lost your job? What a wisdom tooth is, why it needs pulled, and what it feels like when it happens. Maybe the car accident that you would have that would forever change your life. What about all the mistakes, the alcohol, the drugs, the addictions, the credit card debt, and the bad relationships? I don't know about you, but it kind of would have ruined Little League for me. There are few, very few of us that can handle the future before we get there. And just because someone can handle it doesn't mean that they might want to know what it is. If you study the Old Testament, it seems like the prophets, the ones whom God revealed the future to, were usually kind of down. In fact, Jesus knew this, so he said, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough evil in today for anyone to handle. But at the same time, we don't like to wait. We have to figure out this balance, right? We live in a culture of instant gratification. Fast food isn't fast enough anymore, so McDonald's put in a second drive-thru. I can walk into Starbucks or Chipotle and pick up my pre-ordered item without even talking to anyone. 
If you walk in and order on the spot, why are you wasting so much time in your life? We were going to uh, my nephew's JV football game yesterday morning, and I left the house and hit Allison's favorite, the pumpkin spice latte, medium non-fat, and we drove by Starbucks and walked in the door, and I grabbed it and came out. And I'm like, look at all these suckers lined up in the drive-thru around the building. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, I called you suckers. <laughs> Just download the app. What about television? What do we do with te television today? If you're raising kids, I'm sure, you know, as we all try to decide how old or young we are, we've probably taken the opportunity to explain that when you were little or when we were your age, we had to wait on something called commercials. I mean, I love, I mean, Ben kind of gets it now, but he's four or five every once in a while. Every once in a while, we'd watch something called live TV. And Ben would be like, what in the world, man? He's like, fix it. Bring the show back. So instant gratification is perhaps okay in areas like coffee or burritos or television, but when we walk into a doctor's office, uh, into a doctor's office, none of us want to see the express degree our doctor got, right? We're okay with the fact that they went to school half of their life so that they could qualify themselves to work on our bodies. Isaiah 40:31 is a pretty familiar uh, Bible verse, right? It's, I, I think it's up there. I don't know who would do the stats on this, but I got to believe it's way up there in the top Bible verses that people have had tattooed on their bodies, right? Especially because you can put an eagle with, with the tattoo, right? I actually was doing some research on this because I really wanted to see if I could find a ranking of Bible verses um, that were tattooed on people's body. And I did find out that there is a Wings of Eagles Christian Bikers Association, and so I don't know if you have to have the tattoo, but I would imagine that would line up pretty well. Isaiah 40, 31, for those of you that don't know it right off the top of your head, says that those that wait upon the Lord will have their strength renewed. They will run without tiring and walk without fainting, and they will mount up with wings like eagles. That's a good verse, isn't it? Let me just pose this one at you. Anyone ever want any, anyone ever have someone, uh, a friend or an enemy, maybe, I don't know, quote a Bible verse to you and you just want to punch them in the face? Some of you are like, Jonathan, what are you talking about? That's not very nice. <laughs> All right, so first off, <laughs> if you're not going through it, be careful in how you try to relate to it, right? And secondly, if you're a good Christian, still receive that with grace when that person quotes that Bible verse to you, right? I'm not giving you permission to be mad about them doing that. I'm just saying we've all kind of felt that way before. <laughs> um, anyone, maybe, maybe you've lost your job before and someone making six figures comes up, puts their arm around you and goes, man, I know how you feel. <laughs> maybe, maybe I, I saw this one firsthand. I almost punched somebody in the face. Um, <laughs> I watched someone spend two years in the hospital with their child and heard someone else complain to them that someone gave their child a non-organic cookie. Right? Right? <laughs> we, we don't know. You can eat organic cookies. It's okay. You, just get, you get what I'm saying. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know, what, and by the way, you can't be upset at other people because they don't know what you're going through, right? You, God's given you people to live in community with. You could share those things. They could know that. You, as, as good Christians, we can't be people who get upset at other people for not, not, for not knowing what we won't share, right? That's part of the community. 
My point being is that sometimes we like to show how spiritual we are by sharing a Bible verse with someone, but I wonder how well we might receive it if we were in their shoes. I've been on both sides of the coin, and the bottom line is there are a lot of principles that we think are good for everyone else, but when it comes to us, God makes an exception. We don't mind sharing that verse when someone else is going through hardship, but don't you dare say it to me when I'm struggling. Anyway, Joseph's brothers. Oh, and I need to qualify this because I terrified somebody last week. When I read the text, that's not the beginning of the sermon. Like, it's almost at the end of the sermon today. So don't, like, think I've still got another half hour after I get to the text today. Joseph's brothers tried to murder him by throwing him into a pit. Joseph had these dreams as a child in which he was Mr. Big, and they were all groveling at his feet. And he wasn't sure if they remembered it, so he brought it up at the breakfast table the next morning as well. He was also his father's pet, and they see that the sight of the many-colored coat that he flaunted while they were running around in old beat-up T-shirt and jeans, right? After tossing him into the pit, the brothers decided to tell Jacob, their father, that this fair-headed little boy had a fatal tangle with bobcats, and in order to convince him, they produced his coat that had been dipped in blood. Jacob was convinced that he was dead, and the brothers figured they didn't even have to worry about it too much because by the time that they got around to telling it, they figured something like that had happened anyhow. Unknown to them, however, when they sold Joseph to some traveling salesmen who had happened to be passing by, they were actually unintentionally doing the will of God. You have to watch God sometimes. Even when you think he's that you're messing things up, that other people are messing things up, God is still working in it. Joseph eventually wound up as a slave in Egypt where he was bought by an army man named Potiphar. He got into trouble over an embarrassing misunderstanding with Potiphar's seductive wife and did some time in jail for it as a result. Just to be clear here, Potiphar's wife was very, very, very good looking. If I used a word like hot, I would say she was hot, but I don't. In those days, the leaders, the people that would run those countries, they would have had their pick of a wife, of a woman, right? So she was undoubtedly a, a wonderful-looking woman, a better-looking woman than probably anyone in the land. And, and hear me today, right? Joseph had nothing to lose. He was already a slave. Can you imagine being in that place? Maybe even having a sense of entitlement or deservingness. Hey, I might as well. Why not? Why not? Joseph didn't have any good reason to resist her except that his standing before God was far more important to him than a menial one-night stand with this woman. And just like his brothers, Potiphar's wife thought she was doing a disservice to Joseph by getting him thrown in jail. But again, she would be an unwilling servant of Jehovah. Anyhow, while he was in jail, he interpreted the dream of a baker and a cupbearer. He predicted that the baker would be killed and the cupbearer would be restored to his position with the king. He was right, and he told the cupbearer, Hey, buddy, when you get back there, don't forget to tell, me, tell Pharaoh about me. But he forgot. For two years until Pharaoh needed a dream teller. When Joseph interpreted the dreams, Pharaoh promoted him to the head of the Department of Agriculture and eventually his right-hand man because he devised a plan to preserve the food necessary to overcome seven years of famine that were on the horizon. 
Years later, Joseph's brothers, who had long since succeeded in putting him out of their minds, turned up in Egypt as well, looking for something to eat because they were having a famine back home. Joseph knew who they were right off the bat, but because he was wearing his fancy clothes and speaking Egyptian, they didn't recognize him. Joseph couldn't resist getting a little of his own back for a while. That's what it seems like if you know the story. He pretended he thought they were spies. He gave them some grain to take home, but made one of them stay behind as a hostage. He planted some silverware in their luggage and accused them of stealing it. With, with part of himself, he was presumably getting a little bit of a kick out of this, but with another part of himself, he, he was moved and pleased to be back in touch with his own flesh and blood after so very long. And every once in a while, the Bible tells us he had to excuse himself and get out of the room so they wouldn't see how choked up he was getting. Finally, he had enough. He told them who he was, and they fell into each other's arms and wept. He then invited them to come live with him in Egypt and bring an old Jacob along with them too. Jacob was delighted to find out that Joseph was alive after all these years and doesn't seem to mention the trick that his brothers played on him, although I can't imagine what that conversation had to look like that day. Let's pick up the Bible at Genesis chapter 50 in verse 15. So I just tried to give you a summary, not of maybe every incident of Joseph's life. But Joseph had something in him. There was a holy lineage there, right? We talked about Abraham and Isaac. Or a couple generations forward, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, now Joseph. He was faithful to the God that had given him visions to see that he was going to do something great for him. He probably thought it was unfair when he was in that pit. But he just stayed, stayed faithful. Genesis 50, chapter 15, verse 20. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, Jacob has died. Joseph's, Joseph and his brothers died. When Joseph saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged, me, charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. There's been a, I don't know what you see, you see it on talk shows or pre-games or whatever when you watch football games, but a common, a common theme that I've heard around the football world that coaches have been using, and you could use it in any organization, and I'll tell you where they stole it from in just a minute, hint, it's the Bible. Um, do it for the one next to you. The tackle for the guard, the guard for the center, the receiver for the running back, the defense for the offense, the offense for the defense. And I've, I've coached for some years, and one of the worst things that happens, one of the worst things that happens when you're a coach is you see someone who's struggling individual, as an individual, in whatever it is that they're performing in, and they completely forget about the team. 
Let me reassure you today, church, the team still needs you. The team still needs you. You might have thrown a couple interceptions. You might not have ran for as many yards as you did last year. You might, have not, you might not have won the game that day. But the church, the team, still needs you. And let me, under, let me help you understand this morning why that principle is so important. Because you will fail. Because you will come up short. It's not an if. It's a win. It's going to happen. We need each other. We talked last week about Jesus being your, quote, personal Savior. He's not your personal Savior. He's the Savior of the world. We are the body collectively. We are the bride of Christ. We, 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 our Father who is in heaven. Not my Father, not your Father, our Father. It's a collective. And somewhere there, I, I really do... He'd be one of my favorite characters to get to talk to in heaven one day. Joseph, what kept you going? What kept you going when you were in the pit? What kept you going when you were in the jail? And, and, and what if he just saw, what if he could have glimpses again of that vision that God gave him? And he said, I knew it was bigger than me. I knew it was about more than me. I know some of our ladies are studying purpose-driven life. And I know it's kind of, a, at this point, we could almost say it's an oldie but a goodie because it's, it's a little dated. It's a couple decades old now. But I remember going through that book for the first time and how memorable the first line of that book is. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about us. And the second that you get focused on how bad things are going for you, it's the moment that the enemy gets to take over and he can help you spiral. He can help you have self-pity. He can help you have woe. But what if I existed for the sake of others? What if I existed to bring salvation? That's what Joseph was. Joseph was a type of Christ. He brought salvation. That means a saving grace to those people in that day. So even after as generous and forgiving as Joseph had been, his brothers couldn't avoid the nasty suspicion that once the old man wasn't around to put a good word in for them, Joseph might start thinking again about what it had felt like when they tossed him into that pit and decided uh, that maybe he was going to pay them back as they deserved. This is free this morning. Nobody's out to get you. They're not. Nobody's out to get you. Now, if they really are, you need to go make something right. <laughs> But nobody's out to get you. Your brother, sister in Christ in this church that you went to church with at Lighthouse or went to church with here at Grace or they went to Lighthouse and you went to Grace or whatever else, they're not out to get you. They don't have an agenda. They're here to worship Jesus just like you are. They, they're all trying to get to heaven. They're all trying to figure this out. Joseph, Joseph's answer rings out like a bell when they ask for his, par for his pardon. He said, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. He takes on, right, we talk about him being a type of Christ. That's how we see Jesus always show up on the scene. Don't be afraid. Do you think I'm God to grovel before me like that? While I was waiting, God was working. That had to be the theme that he held throughout those years. While I was waiting, God was working. So what is it for you this morning? I mean, I want you to re be real with God. I want you to cry out in your spirit and prayer, God, I know I haven't been patient enough. God, I've been impatient about my job. I've become bitter about my marriage. 
I'm tired of waiting on my children. If you really wanted to sit down and have a Bible study about Joseph, Joseph was learning everything about the kingdom in every area that he was being, quote, condemned to. The only way that you can fail in waiting on God is if you quit learning, if you quit growing, if you quit moving forward. If you sit and sulk, someone said the other day, God doesn't want us to waste pain. And God doesn't waste pain, but it seems like we sure do a lot. Pain is a teacher. It's to guide us. It's to tell us that it's time to quit playing softball when we have to have a knee replacement. Amen? Yeah, nobody likes that one. They They just put a bigger brace on, don't they? That's a fun way to say it, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Because we've had our hearts broken. We've had our families ripped apart. We've went back to an addiction or, or some kind of uh, uh, stimulant or some type of idea in our life that has left us empty time and time and time again. And God's going, when are you going to get it? C.S. Lewis talked about pain being God's megaphone to the world. But what is it for you this morning? What is it that you need to say, God, I haven't been waiting as I should, not with the spirit that I should be. I can promise you this morning, according to his word, that if you commit your ways to him, if you're honoring him with your life, if you are minding the direction of the Holy Spirit, those are all things that you always have control of. Let me give you that list again, just in case you weren't paying attention. If you commit your ways to him, Honor him with your life and mind the direction of the Holy Spirit. Those are three things that you always have control of that no one else can ever take away from you. He has you in the waiting because God wants to do something that isn't just going to heal your pain. He's not just going to restore your family. He's not just going to reveal his purpose. He's going to blow you away with his goodness. He wants to do something bigger than you're expecting. Listen to what James chapter 1 says this morning. Verse 2 says, consider it all, A-L-L, all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let me give you another version of James chapter 1 verse 4 here again real, real quick. Let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you might be people who are perfectly and fully developed, lacking in nothing. Interestingly enough, the three most basic requirements to turn coal into diamonds are heat, pressure, and time. Heat, pressure, and time. Do you believe that in every moment of you waiting, uh, of your waiting, God is taking that nasty, sooty, dusty, situation of your life and he's trying to use it to create something exquisite he wants to that dirty sooty dusty situation he wants to take that and he wants to apply heat and he wants to apply uh, pressure and time and he wants to create something exquisite out of you god if you're still working i'm still waiting i'm still waiting so what do we do with joseph's story God showed him a vision, and he believed that it was God who revealed it to him. But how did man respond? How did man respond? His brothers threw him in a pit. Joseph said, no big deal. I believe God's vision. That might not be, I'm now paraphrasing. This is not what scripture says. Joseph said, no big deal. I believe in God's vision. They sell him into slavery. He says, no big deal. I believe in God's provision. Potiphar's wife lies about him, and he gets thrown into prison. 
okay, God, I'm struggling a little bit now. God helps him reveal a dream, but then the cupbearer the cup forgets him. Maybe then he said, seriously, God, what's going on? I wonder what stage you're in right now. You can talk to God right now and say anything. Say, yeah, I haven't been through much. I, I should be patient and see what God's doing. Maybe you go, man, I feel like I'm in prison. I'm never getting out of here. God started by showing him part of the vision. He didn't know what that meant. Do you understand that this morning? I, I hope God shows you visions. I do. For your family, for your job, for your ministry, for this church. I hope God shows you visions. I've said sometime before, I believe that God gives me vision. It's just like 2040 or 2050. It's a little blurry to begin with. God started by showing Joseph part of the vision. He had to reserve the, reserve the vision, and then he took care of Joseph through all the turmoil, and he preserved the vision. Then, when Joseph was fully developed, God fully revealed the vision. Let me give you this principle, I think, that's here in this passage that you need to hear this morning. If, God, if you're asking God to fully reveal a plan for your life and you don't feel like you're seeing it, he's not showing you the full vi vision because you haven't fully developed. So you need to work on the development piece. That's up to you, right? We all get that we're not just supposed to sit idly by. I hope you do. I hope you don't think this morning you're supposed to be sitting idly by and God's just going to promote you and do all kinds of wonderful things in and through you. But God is not going to reveal the vision to someone who's underdeveloped. They won't be a good keeper of the vision. They might hurt the vision. They might cause the vision to fall apart. I believe that when God led me to Cap City, that all the ministry that I've done up to this point, that he didn't reveal to me that I was going to be at Cap City because he was developing me through other ministries. Does that make sense? Just trying to make it practical. If God's waiting or you haven't seen a full vision, he's waiting for you to fully develop. And, and I hate to break this to you, church, but that's all on you. That's all on you. He's going to help you. You can find community in Cap City Church. But you need to keep developing and believe the truth, believe the promise that if you keep developing, he'll keep revealing. If you keep developing, he'll keep revealing. And take this encouragement today. The greater the plan, the longer the span. The greater the plan, the longer the span. The longer you've been waiting, the bigger the plan he has for you. Hey, look at Joseph's life. I mean, we, don't, uh, they, we can speculate about how old he was when he started or when he finished or all those types of things, but he waited a very long time. And it doesn't say that he got to preach once a month before that. It doesn't say that he got a, a ministry position in the church before that. It's a, he had to go through the ringer. He had to do the hard stuff, the dirty stuff, the worst stuff. His reputation was ripped apart. God said, I have to make sure that I know that I'm working with somebody that's fully committed to my vision. Fully committed to the plan that I have for their life. By the time Joseph had went through everything that he had went through, all of his opportunities for money, power, glory, sex, all those Joseph had proven that God's plan for his life was bigger than those things. I'm going to invite the group to come this morning and, and, and understand today that all of God's great ones, whoever you consider a great one in the Bible or someone you know in real life, have waited before him. And if he has you waiting, he wants you learning, he wants you developing, it's because his plans for you are greater than you understand. I can't imagine. I think I've used an illustration like this before. I, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't show a, a fourth grader calculus and say, hey, this is what you're going to be doing next. 
I'm serious. So we make God's will, we make the Bible too hard sometimes. And, and there's so many easy illustrations right in front of us. No, we don't, we don't teach anything else in life like that. We go one step at a time. Because if you saw everything, it, it'd terrify you. It'd keep you from, you know, when am I going to use this in real life? Don't worry about it. If you're in fourth grade learning math, you just learn it because it's the next step. And God wants us to understand that too. Just learn what I've got right in front of you. If he has great plans for you, nothing will stand in the way of him accomplishing them in and through you. Can you imagine Joseph's prayer life, how he could have questioned God? When he resisted temptation at the highest level, he was seemingly punished for it. He was still accused of doing the thing wrong. By the way, be careful ever believing what you hear about a Christian leader, correct? Amen? I have a big heart for that, and I hope you do too. Protect and elevate and assume the best of your Christian leadership. But only someone who had been sold into slavery and maybe saw how poorly slaves had been treated and had a, would have a chance to fix that one day. Maybe someone who had been in prison and saw how poorly the prisons had run could be at the top one day and fix the prison system. Maybe someone who had been forgotten could have the wisdom in the long view to preserve the food that would preserve the people. All along the way, Joseph was building relationships. He was learning aspects of the kingdom and learning the heart of God that he would need to forgive his brothers and testify of his goodness. What a shame it would be this morning, church, if our impatience, if in our impatience, while we were waiting on God to do something, when he's been waiting on us to do something, how many of us are trying to hold on to the idea of waiting before God when he's waiting for us to make a move? I believe Joseph continually obeyed the, the, the movement and the direction of the Holy Spirit each and every day that he was going through those hard times. Let's at home this morning. Let's get into your prayer life. I hope you have one, and I'm being serious. Does your prayer life show that you're really waiting for God's perfect will? Or is it just a plea to God to fix what's wrong. We've all been there, haven't we? Oh God, fix this situation. Heal this person, heal me, make me feel better, make me this, make me that. Do something in my children's life, do something in my wife's life, do something in my parents' life. Man, here, here this, this one just blew me away this week. As I was spending my time with God this week, what if instead of praying, God, get me out of this, we pray, God, show me how I can see you in this. You hear that? Because it's, it's important. What if when we went to prayer, instead of praying, God, get me out of this, we pray, God, show me you in this. Because he's in it. He's in it. I, I fully believe this. I believe Joseph needed every single step that God put in his place to make him who he was and to save the people that he did. Church, what if you're praying to get God, for God to get you out of something that's going to prepare you for the work that he's got in your life? Man, I know that's hard. I know that's high-level preaching this morning. I know that's a tough prayer to pray. God, but, but if God wants you in it, listen. If God wants you in it, I don't know that we should be praying for him to get us out of it. And I'm not even sure that's a prayer he's going to answer because he still loves you so much that he's going to do what's best for you. But I'll bet you could have a lot more peace, a lot more comfort if you could say, 
God, thank you for revealing to me while I, why I'm going through this. He's gracious, and I think he'll do that. I believe he will. He's done it my own life. So when I pray, I'm not asking God to change his plans or his will for my life. Instead, I want to pray and say, God, change my perspective so I can see what you're trying to do. The reason that thinking about the future causes anxiety and fear is because we try to face tomorrow's problems before God has granted us the strength to overcome them. He gives new mercies, not just refreshed. He's not just, take, fill, he's not just putting the, pulling up to the pump and, and filling it back with the same kind of gas. You might need a different kind of fuel today. He know, he, it says new mercies every day, new mercies. Did you know his mercy looks different depending on what we need? He does. He knows that. And he gives us new mercies for each situation. Oh, just one of my favorite verses on the provisions of God. He says that as your days are, so will your strength be. Let me tell you what that means. It means that every day that you're going to face, he's already waiting there with the strength to help you get through it. I'll bet every single one of you in here has had a day that you thought you wouldn't get through. But did you know that by your physical presence in this place today, if you're watching online, he did. He did. He gave you the strength. He gave you the mercy. It doesn't even say to the saved. He just cares about his children and loves them so much that he brings mercies and strength that are new every day for us. So some of you that are, have matured in Christ understand this, and I hope more of you will receive this. And those of you that have forgotten it will remember it. When you go to bed tonight and you go, I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow, just pray, I don't have to worry about it because his mercies will be there. I don't have to pray about it because I know he's going to renew my strength. Lay your head on the pillow and say, right? Say, lay your head on the pillow and say, it is vain for you to stay up later, to wake up early, because God gives to his beloved while they rest. If he's still working, I'll keep waiting. If he's still working, I'll keep waiting. God is already waiting there tomorrow with all the courage and all the strength and all the peace and all the mercy you need to overcome the things that you're going to face. What day has he not got us through? Let's, let's stand this morning. I want you to rest today. I've been preaching hard at you for about 12 weeks. So I'm going to invite you to rest today in his strength. That still means you can come and pray. Rest today in the strength that he wants to meet you with. Claim that promise every day that I have the strength of the Lord, that I've received his new mercies. Bow your heads this morning and pray, God, if you're still working, I'll keep waiting. Father, we thank you today that you are good. We, thankful, we are thankful for your faithfulness, Lord. Help us to reciprocate that faithfulness through all the seasons of life. Help us to understand that in every part of your creation, Lord, from the Garden of Eden to Cap City Church on September 4th, 2022, that you are working a plan. God, I believe, I believe that the work of your kingdom is before us. I believe that you have invited every single individual in this place to be a participant in the kingdom of God. Let us, Lord, not be sidetracked by menial things, by minor temptations, by, Lord, by those trials that would come before us, but, Lord, that we would grasp hold of the fact that we would race forward towards the things that will be eternal, that our eyes will be taken off the temporal and see that you have a great purpose for us. 
And God, this morning, if we struggle to say that prayer for us, help us to do it for the one next to us. Help us to bind arms as a church, as a family of God, and say, your kingdom come, your will be done at Cap City and all throughout the city of Columbus and wherever else you might call us, in Jesus' name, amen. If he's still working, keep on waiting. The frost on the rose Winter comes for us all Oh, how nature acquaints us With the nature of patience Like a seed in the snow I've been buried to grow for your promises, loyal From sea to sequoia And I know the winter's long even richer And the harvest it brings And all my waiting prolongs even greater You promise for me like a sea I believe that my season will come Something like a low the sun So it is in your love And as I gaze I am in the winter if all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience then if you're not done working God I'm not done waiting you can see my promise
thoughts this morning. The Bible tells us that the Word of God lasts forever, does it not? The Word of God lasts forever. And I believe in His Word, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. It's an interesting tension when we think about this message today, we think about the song we just sang, a really beautiful picture of how God moves in seasons of life. And it can feel sometimes like you're in the winter. But as far as I can tell, in the kingdom, it's the time is of harvest. I mean it, church. And so we need God to change our perspective. We need him to help us understand that the harvest is plentiful. And we're going to need some people to wake from their winter slumbers and get serious about harvesting. One of the root causes of anxiety and depression is to be too focused on yourself. Did you know that? Do you know why? Because you're going to fail because this body that we live in is temporal and because you don't have all the answers to all the problems that are out there. There's other answers. You know, I all, you understand, I understand that. But one of the great ways to get over anxiety, to to work through depression is to put your focus on something bigger. When we allow ourselves to get focused on something small, our worldview is going to be small. And if things go wrong in our life, we're going to think the whole world's going wrong. Joseph continued to have a kingdom perspective throughout every difficulty. And if you'll be a Christian today that through each hardship will say, God, don't get me, take me out of this, but show me where you're moving in this, our perspective will be broadened and he will open your eyes to the work of his hand and he is working and the harvest is plentiful and he is doing marvelous things. You're just not looking in the right places. Lord, open our eyes this morning to the work of your hand. Lord, we know you're parting oceans. We know that you're starting revivals, God, that you're sending your Holy Spirit. So God, will you forgive us where we've allowed ourselves to become so inwardly focused on the problems of our life, on the challenges of our life, that we're missing out on the great work that you're trying to do in and through us. Lord, we certainly don't pray this with an insensitive towards the hardships of our people. You have called us to be shepherds to one another, Lord, to those who are hurting. And God, so I do pray that you bring relief to those who are wounded, both in the body and the soul and the mind. God, that you would be a a very near presence to them, that you would be a source of peace to them, Lord, that you would help them to seek community in this body of believers. We praise you, God, and we continue to proclaim, if you're still working, we'll keep waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, go ahead and have a seat this morning, and we'll go ahead and say goodbye to our audience online. Hey, the the roads are kind of opened up on Rathmel, so we've got one less excuse for you to come see us. Uh, come, come see us at our Rathmel Road campus very, very soon. A lot of exciting things coming, coming in. We're going to invite our ushers.